0: I don't know if you're gonna see this voice memo. I thought I was happy.
1: Are, are you happy? I'm not
0: happy at all.
1: The question is, are you happy? Are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever are been right now. PS. Be, Be the person who you'd wanna meet. Because somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The happy hour. welcome back everyone to another episode of are you happy podcast we are so excited to have natalie guzman with us who is ceo of nadora but not only is she an amazing businesswoman but she's just an amazing woman overall so we're going to spend the afternoon asking her about happiness her life and her story so let's meet natalie natalie how are you this lovely hot day
0: (laughs) i'm fantastic it's always hot here in florida so
1: oh my goodness um what's going on with the ocean um i understand it's like really hot
0: (laughs) oh man everything you know we just went through red tide which is like it wipes out all the the fish unfortunately and it's been really really hot i think this is probably one of the hottest summers that i've ever lived in florida um yeah but we're we're surviving ac is our best friend
1: it seriously is. Um, did you grow up in Florida or did you grow up somewhere else?
0: Originally from Massachusetts, I am a Masshole. Is what I like to call <laughs> myself.
1: <laughs> How have I never heard that one?
0: <laughs> yeah, you must not know a lot of people from Massachusetts. That's uh, that is a common term, especially if you're um, grew up around Boston area.
1: Well, I'm a. T- and so everything is, you know, all about Texas. Like we don't, we don't think about anything outside of yeah. our state. Those videos that, that you, that you see, it's videos. so true. It's so true. But the barbecue is good. So, hey. <laughs> so what brought you from Massachusetts to Florida?
0: Oh, man, crazy story. So um, I was raised with divorced parents and my dad, um, fortunately was diagnosed uh, with thyroid cancer and he threw a dart at a map and just decided he wanted to live in Florida he moved there and um both my siblings just had families at the time. So um I decided to go down there and take care of him, help him manage his appointments. Um, he also had a couple of mental health issues as well, so it was just really good to have someone there to help support him. And it changed my life. I fell in love, started a family here, and um, yeah, the rest is history. Florida is now my home.
1: Wow, that's amazing. You hear of people spinning a globe, right, and putting their finger on it and saying, "I'm going to move there." That is so courageous <laughs> and brave yeah. to do that, and let alone throw a dart and it actually hit the map. But that that must have been crazy. I mean, what inspired him to do that?
0: I think he just needed a change. Like I said, he had a lot of mental health issues as well, which probably played a factor into it. But if you're from up north, you know that the winter is really depressing. It puts you in a mood. A lot of people actually have sunlights in their living rooms to um, give them that melatonin back, right? And so um, I think for happiness actually is kind of why he moved to Florida, which is a great segue into this podcast.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. And I'm wondering though, growing up in a cold environment do you have moments of happiness that you can think of like right off the bat?
0: Oh, man, my whole childhood in Massachusetts was crazy. So I'm actually a former foster kid. Um, and so I never lived with my dad until I moved to Florida. So which is really interesting. It allowed me to bond with him before he passed away. Um, I definitely had happy moments in my childhood, even when I lived with my parents, when I didn't. Um, and... Some of those best moments were probably in the fall. I feel like it was the perfect season. You had a little bit of sun just coming out um, and it was starting to go away, but it wasn't super hot and the wind blowing on your face. I feel like fall was definitely like my happy season.
1: Yeah. To live in a place where you have seasons. I can't imagine what that's like. <laughs> Colored leaves. What is that? <laughs> Actual seasons. We don't know what that is, but yeah, sounds, sounds idyllic. Now I, I did read that you grew up in the foster environment. What can you tell us more about that? What it was like and what that experience has, has shaped for your life?
0: Yeah. It was, um, so like I said, my parents have been divorced since I was a young child. I think I was like almost two years old when they divorced. So I don't really ever remember Them being together. I look at my parents and I don't see them as a unit like most people do. I see them as two separate individuals, two separate families. Um, and it's that's just how I grew up. That's all I knew. Um, my mom got remarried when I was seven, and we went from being the kids in the project to the rich kid on the other side of the tracks. So I went from the poor kid to the rich kid really quick. And then when they divorced when I was 13, I went back into foster care because um, my mom just couldn't handle it emotionally. Um, so I went from poor kid, rich kid, foster kid, as I like to say. So um it definitely like changed my whole point of view. I got to see three different ways of living life. Um, I got to see three different ways that I was treated by, you know, certain individuals and um even like leaders and teachers. I was treated differently depending on my circumstance, even though I myself didn't change. Um, So that was really interesting. And I think it just gave me a perspective of how the world views certain people. And it it taught Mm. me to be kind and loving and passionate, um, even during the hardest moments.
1: I can't imagine that that has to do a lot em- emotionally and mentally to you to experience one environment and then be in the next one and say, wait a minute, I was just in this place. And then to have that all turned upside down and, and be in the foster system. Did it ever once like affect how how you acted in your environments? Like, did it put you into any kind of like depressive states or angry states because of how people treated you in one place versus the other?
0: Yeah, I um I was actually, when I was 10 years old, misdiagnosed with bipolar. So I was told, like, my whole childhood and in teen years that I had bipolar. Found out when I was an adult that actually was just a trauma response hmm. because basically every adult in my life had abandoned me at one point or another. Even when I left the foster care system, I didn't stay in touch with that foster parent. Um, The one I had in the end. And so that was like another abandonment. So I'm continuously as a child going through puberty, being abandoned over and over again. I had a lot of anger. Um, And so um, I was put um, in front of a lot of different specialists, misdiagnosed um, back in the 90s being diagnosed with bipolar became like a very popular thing. You'll hear of a lot of misdiagnosis now. Um just because it was just, I think it was just one of those things like right, I think right now ADHD is talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Back then it was bipolar. And so I was I definitely had a lot of anger, a lot of um especially at my parents and my situation, at social workers. Um I definitely had a lot of anger, but I also I think I had a lot of appreciation because I also saw people going through the same thing I was because I had like a foster sister that was younger than me. So that showed me, you know, appreciation that her situation actually was worse, you know, and I I always told myself it could be worse. Yes, I'm going through a lot of crap right now, but I could be homeless or I could be, you know, um, my my family could not be alive, you know, at least they were you know healthy and alive and there's just so many different scenarios where it could have been worse and it wasn't um and so I think I just kind of held on to that because if I didn't I would have been consumed by my anger
1: it's interesting that people with trauma in their lives do tend to think about oh it could be worse you know this it could be this situation but then someone else without that trauma or without trauma looks at you and says wait a minute how do you not understand that you were in that it could be worse situation but people that are in trauma are still looking at it as though it could be something else and so there's a little bit of resiliency there for people with trauma where where they they still you know look at things and scale it as though you know i may be here but it could be worse because I could be in this other position. So I think that's really interesting. And on your life path, you talked about anger and and that's totally understandable. Do you remember the defining moment where you turned that anger into something else or or when you decided that you were not going to be angry anymore?
0: I think it was when I moved out of the foster care system and I lived on my own and I realized I could do it all on my own. So at the end of the day, you know, even though I had been abandoned over and over again, um, I had myself in the end. I could have my own apartment. I could have a job and find a job. I could manage my finances without having anyone to teach me how to do so. Um, I learned really quickly how to live on my own. And I think that gave me a strength that I was able to turn everything around. And it kind of just, it was almost like a challenge, right? So when you're in the foster care system, you don't have many goals and you don't have control over your life because you don't have control. So like, I can't say, oh, I want to, you know, go play. I want to be on the cheerleading squad, for instance. I don't have money. I don't have, you know, the support to put me on some sort of team like that to pay for the uniform, for the travel. So you, you don't really have goals when you're a foster care system. you're just living day by day so i think as soon as i got out um i was only 17 i had my own apartment um and was walking to work every day i didn't have a car i used the bus system for almost everything and um i applied to every single job within walking distance of my apartment and i did it like that was such an amazing empowerment feeling that like man, I can do this. I can build the life that I want. I just have to work for it and be strategic and research. And so fast forward to
1: this day, you own your own business, you're CEO for Nadora, and you do all these wonderful things for other business owners and entrepreneurs. How do you think that the life lessons that you learned within your life, how do you think they impacted your business and how you do business now?
0: So I think it was like that challenge that I learned when I was 17 that like, Um, you want something in life. You have to, you have to be the one that sets the goals and goes for it and creates it. No one's going to do it for you. Um, and so that is actually, I got into a particular situation in 2015. Um, it's where my entrepreneur journey started. My, I, my husband and I were trying to start our family. Unfortunately, we had multiple miscarriages and, Um, When I was finally pregnant in that safe zone, my job told me I had two days to give birth and then I'd have to go back to work. And it was almost like that being in feeling all over again. Like my job is saying I can't be a good mom to my family. I have to put them in a dangerous situation just to go back to work. And so I didn't want to be put in that spot ever again. So I quit, started looking for ways that I could make money on my own as an entrepreneur. So I didn't have to rely on a business for you know my family's sake. And I discovered being a virtual assistant and I started a virtual assistant agency called NG Virtual Assistant that hit six figures in three months, is still thriving today we ended up leading into Nadora, which is a software company for entrepreneurs to create, like websites, automations, email marketing, so much more. But we also have a team of virtual assistants to help you along your journey. And that just, it just kind of brought everything in full circle when I started Nadora, because I was now able to help entrepreneurs that wanted, were maybe in similar situations. I've had you know, women that have been new, newly divorced and they're trying to raise multiple children on their own and they want to make money from home. And so we're able to build their digital business online and help guide them and create the systems and processes and SOPs to help them thrive. And it just it really I think I get really good comforting comforting and happiness from not abandoning people, right? For being there and supporting them and helping them. And um, that's kind of why I built my whole business around. And same with my employees I hire. um, I'm always making sure, you know, that I am supporting them and their lifestyle. We even have like a different way. So most companies, right? You work nine to five off on weekends and such. But for people in situations like I was a stay-at-home mom um, or we have people with disabilities, that's not um, attainable for them. And so the nine to five work week just doesn't work. And so we allow our employees to set their own hours and their own times that work for them. And we get so much better productivity out of it. And we're able to support their families, which is when no one else will. And that is an amazing feeling.
1: It makes perfect sense. I was wondering when I was reading your bio and it talks about, you know, you uh, being a former foster kid and then a CEO and helping entrepreneurs with their businesses. And I was wondering, like, what is the link like, where do we go from, you know, growing up Natalie to CEO Natalie helping businesses? What What's the in between? But I see that link with you not wanting these businesses to feel abandoned. You know, like you don't want them to experience any kind of abandonment. So you're like putting out all of these tools and all of these helpful ways for them to succeed. You're nurturing them and you're you're overseeing, you know, their success with them. So then you're gaining that fulfillment and they're not abandoned. So that makes perfect sense. It comes full circle. It really does. It really does. And I I wonder. You know, if everyone were were to look at themselves introspectively and think about all of those core memories and and moments where, you know, you didn't want to feel a certain way again. And so what you did after that and how they're related, I think that would would make a big difference for people, especially those that don't know what they want to do. Creating your own virtual assistant uh, company and and doing your own thing. That's incredibly brave. And again, your resilience is is amazing and that's consistent. (laughs) But... um. When you, when you say, like, I didn't want to feel that way ever again, can you tell us more, like, what you mean by that and how you felt?
0: felt like the job had control over my family and their safety, so... Um, I kind of briefly went over it, but we had multiple miscarriages. My daughter was a high risk pregnancy. She was actually job. Didn't know this at the time. Um, but she would be born at 32 weeks, two pounds, uh, three ounces, a tiny little baby in the palm of my hand. Um, I have a tattoo that is a wrist tattoo. That's very common. Um, her feet dangled at my wrist. Mm. Um, and I always look at my tattoo and I remember her little feet, not even passing my tattoo. Um, so she was tiny and we didn't have a NICU near us. So that meant that we had to take care of her at her home and bring her to the hospital or doctor's office every single day for a month. Um, which was great because I got to be with her and bond with her more. But it was terrifying as a new mama, um, especially when I had multiple losses that I had to, you know, I really had to be there for her and she could suffer multiple different health issues at a drop of a hat. And, you know, it's really me. That would be, I um, they, they, some someone out there gave me permission to raise a child. I always say that like who gives us permission to be parents. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> so it's just kind of crazy to think about, but I didn't want a job to say, you know, I had to go back to work two days after having a premature child and my husband is in law enforcement and so he was we actually went through um a really bad hurricane and he so he was working crazy hours i was the only thing that my daughter had there was no daycares available so it's a good thing that i had to quit beforehand because i would have had to quit anyways after going through that but i didn't want to give a job that control over my family or my finances to put me in a position where i feel like i have to quit to keep my family safe and healthy
1: Yeah, I remember reading that and I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Uh, Did you have a lot of help and support from your husband or any other support system?
0: Yeah, so he was there as much as he could until he had to go back to work. So luckily he got two weeks home with us, which was amazing. Um, And then he had to go back to work, which is basically everything was on me, but I hadn't, his family is, I have to say, is like one of the best supportive, loving families that I've ever met. Um, gosh, I'll probably cry if I keep talking about it, but (laughs) I mean, coming from a family that was not supportive or, you know, there for me, 24 seven, um, kind of left me up to the state to be raised. I am always in awe. He had a very normal child childhood. He has two siblings, a mom and dad, they're still together to this day. They're amazing grandparents and um, there, I, t- I was just talking to my mother-in-law yesterday, and it's like talking to a best friend. And it's just absolutely amazing, the support. She, used- she would take my daughter for one night a week when she was a baby, and that helped me so much because I was going through a lot emotionally. I had sleep deprivation, which who knew that was a real thing? I did not. I was actually, I fell asleep while driving, but my Mm. eyes were open because that's what sleep deprivation is. Your brain falls asleep and I hit a mailbox. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So super scary. Luckily it was my mailbox and (laughs) everything was okay. (laughs) But I didn't even know that was a thing and I didn't know about That most moms don't know how to take care of themselves, especially when they're new moms and that they have to take care of themselves to take care of their family, Mm -hmm. something it took me a couple of years to learn. And um, so that was, it was a really scary moment, but my in-laws were, even my sister-in-law, she was only 16 when my daughter was born and she's the absolute best aunt in the world. And she would, I would cry on the floor because I also had postpartum depression and she would just sit there with me you know, not saying anything. She was, and she's only 16 years old watching this grown adult lose herself because she's so tired. And she would just sit there. And it was just, they're super amazing and supportive in ways that you can't, you can't even imagine. I was very lucky.
1: That is amazing. They sound like amazing people. I was, I was wondering, you know, I know that sometimes people uh, will say that when they didn't have the loving parents, they do everything possible to be 10 times as loving with their own children because they didn't have that. Do you, do you say that that's the same for yourself and your family?
0: Sometimes. So I definitely raised my children different than I was raised in all my scenarios um, that I lived in. But also I had a really weird turn of events um, in my 20s. So, you know, I moved to take care of my father, who was never really in my life. And we became best friends. Um, He died in a freak accident in 2018, unfortunately. But he luckily was alive for both of my children's births. Um, He was there in the hospital after I gave birth. Um, he was also, I forgot, you know, he's been gone for so long. I forgot he was also a really great support system. I would call him only when I was at my breaking point and be like, can you just come over and hold my child for an hour or two? And he would, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and then my mom actually moved to Florida during right before the pandemic hit, all the States were closing and my husband went and picked her up in Massachusetts, brought her to Florida. Um, and As they were driving state to state, the states were closing down for the pandemic, which Mm. was crazy. Um, But she made it here and she's now back together with my stepfather. I have a good relationship with both of them. Um, I definitely have boundaries and I also have forgiveness. Um, My mom also had a crazy childhood. And so a lot of ways that she raised me were based off how she was treated And so I think that gave me the appreciation, the view that I don't want to raise my kids, you know, the same way. And so um, but I do have an appreciation and love for what she went through. So I was able to forgive, you know, everything and um, also be understanding about it as well.
1: That's great. When you're is it just one one child that you have or do you have more than one?
0: I had another kid 12 months later. <laughs> so, I don't do anything easy.
1: Right, right. So when, when your kids grow up or they get older enough to have these conversations that are more in-depth, how will you describe your upbringing to them?
0: So they already kind of know. I am very honest with my children. We talk about everything. We've already talked about puberty. And they're only, um, my kids are only six and seven. <laughs> so most parents are probably like, keep them kids, make them kids. But honestly, the world we live in today, they need to know about these things because they're gonna hear it from other people before they hear about us if we wait to the appropriate time. Um, That was in quotation marks for anyone just
1: listening. No, Uh. No, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, When my kid was of, uh, well, I guess like when they were around like 11 or so, um, I took them to uh, the store and was like, here's what all of these products are (laughs) start to finish. So you know what they are and you never, you know, have to go without that knowledge because you know, you get into trouble when you don't know certain things.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. So what better way than for them to learn them from us? And so they know that I was a foster kid. Me and my husband have actually looked into being foster parents ourselves and they know that we're interested in that. Um and we talk about it a lot. Um we also talk about, you know, there's you have a mom and dad, not everyone has that. Um so they understand that and they also understand, you know, I don't think they realize what it means yet that I went to foster care. They know I didn't live with my parents. And I just said they were both going through a hard time. And so they were unable to be parents for me. And then, so I'm able to explain it in a very kid way, but being honest, I think that's really, really important. And it also shows them that adults make mistakes. I think that was one thing I didn't realize as a child is that your parents are human. And they do make mistakes and they're not ever going to get everything right. And so I try to teach my kids, like, I apologize when I make a mistake to my children and I show them I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to do things that aren't right and that don't make sense. Um, I will always try to explain my thoughts and reasoning to you, but sometimes I'm going to mess up. So like one time I lost my anger and I yelled really loud at my child over something that wasn't necessarily their fault. It was just a default reaction. And so I apologized. I explained them why I reacted. I did why I did. And then I explained them how I wasn't going to do that again. And then I held myself to it. So I think that's kind of like my standard procedure for raising my kids. So that way it kind of gets us out of you know, it makes us really honest with them. That was the other thing about my foster care journeys. I didn't know I was going to foster care. I, my mom told me we're going to the fair. Hmm. She pulls into an empty parking lot and a social worker pulls up next to us. And she puts my suitcase into that girl's car. I'm like, what's going on? And that's when I was told I was going to foster care. So that's one of the reasons honesty to within my family is so important And that we all make decisions together. So even though my husband does work insane hours and I am the main caregiver for my children, I'm always giving him updates or keeping him in the loop or asking his opinion. If it's, you know, even like backpacks, I said, our son wants a Minecraft backpack. How do you feel about that? (laughs) You know, so we're very, you know, just a very open, honest And, you know, try to make sure everyone feels like it's a collaborative because that's what family is. We're all collaborating together. And that's really important to me.
1: That's wonderful. If you could give a message to other other, I guess, other people who have gone through like the foster environment or people that don't know it at all, what would you tell them?
0: Ooh. Holding grudges, do not hold a grudge. I think that's the biggest thing that I see in foster care system, especially with my foster siblings, was the grudges that were held either between foster parents or the system, their situation. And it can really turn your heart angry and mean really quickly. Sometimes, you know, what happened to you is happened for a reason, as crazy as it is. And you can use that experience to help other people. And then that's what's going to bring you happiness is just, you know, turning your negative situation into a positive. Even with my miscarriages, I had, you know, I mentioned I had multiple. My best friend had actually six after I did. And she says the only reason she made through made it through was because she had me to talk to who went through it. So I'm forever thankful for going through that experience because I was there for my best friend. Um, so that's just it's always crazy you don't see why you went through the things that you did um sometimes you might never see it um but there's always a reason do you think
1: that some of uh, those reasons are still yet to be known or discovered or has everything kind of surfaced and come full circle
0: i think when it comes to foster care i think there's still I've been talking about my story a lot this year more than I've ever talked about it, and I think I'm hoping that helps someone out there. So let me know if it does, if it helps you. Um, <laughs> so that is probably one part of my story that I don't know if it necessarily helps people or not, or why I really went through it. Maybe because, I mean, my, my so my mom never knew her biological father, and she just found out who he is through ancestry DNA. Um, and so that is giving me like, I, me and my sister, were still kind of holding on grudges this past year and we completely let them go because my sister also didn't know her biological dad never refused to, he refused to acknowledge her. So she kind of went through the same situation my mom went through. And so we've now are like realizing, you know, why we went through what we did and to have that love and understanding for our mom. Um, and so it's, it's starting, I think this year really to come full circle. So ask me in a year and I'll, I'll let you know. we <laughs> Will do. I, I think it's, it's
1: a, it's a subject that's not talked about too often. I mean, we, they talk about foster the system, right. And they talk about people becoming foster parents, but we never hear from the kids in the system or the kids as adults. So maybe that's why they're asking you about it a lot because it's a really interesting perspective that, that definitely needs to be shared. So thank you for sharing sharing that with us. Of course. You mentioned the keyword happiness a few times. <laughs> so Natalie, are you happy?
0: Yes, I am happy. I think everything that I wanted as a little kid was, you know, the husband, the, the two kids, a boy and a girl and a dog and a fenced in yard. I have all of that today. <laughs> and, you know, even if I didn't, as long as I had, you know, a loving family and then a goals and a career. I think at the end of the day, that's kind of all anyone wants, right? A purpose and then someone to love. Um, and so those are the two things that I have today that make me happy every day.
1: Is the fence picketed? If the fence is picketed, I'm going to lose my crap.
0: <laughs> it's not. I wish it was. <laughs> it's a wire fence.
1: Note to your husband when he hears the episode, uh, one picketed fence, please. That's hilarious. Yes. Wow. That's that's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy for you. And And you're, again, like so much resilience. You're incredibly brave. So please be sure to play that on repeat anytime you need to. You're incredibly brave and strong. Uh, What are some other things that you wouldn't normally, you know, list out that make you happy or fulfilled?
0: Traveling. I mean, and not just traveling, I love traveling to like business and networking events. I I love when I can share my knowledge with others and really help them. That's why I started my businesses um, and doing them in person at these events are, is always life-changing. I always come back like a better leader, a better mom. I end up being so calm. And so like taking that time out of the air, yes, being away from my family and everything I just mentioned that makes me happy. I completely break off from it and I focus on, kind of just me. I always make sure I get maybe like a low massage or I get my nails done at the hotel or whatever I'm doing. And I just kind of make sure that I am focusing on me on these trips. And it's always so much fun.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> the traveling part, definitely fun. And, and having those little moments of self-care when you're not home, it hits different meeting, meeting different people all the time, especially while traveling, is just the coolest thing. I think that's so fulfilling, you know, different different perspectives, different personalities and just encountering strangers that you never would have met before and having them impact your lives. That's incredibly rewarding.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get to hear the coolest stories. And I'm that person that if you're sitting next to me on the plane, I'm talking to you. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you have the earbuds in, I will respect you. But if you don't, I'm probably chatting your ear off. I love I'm an extrovert at heart and I love talking to people and hearing their stories hear where they're going. I think (laughs) it's just it's like everyone has like that own story. Right. So I love reading. I read a book every day. I'm a speed reader. I love it. I love immersing myself into a story. And I feel like that's what I do in conversations. I'm able to hear. So I get to open the book of someone's life. And it's just such a cool feeling and a cool moment. Um, And especially when they let me and they like talking to me. (laughs) Some people, my introverts out there, shout out to you guys. My husband does not like to talk. So I feel (laughs) you. Um, He is an introvert. Um, But his you know he has so much knowledge and like leadership um skills and just to hear how his brain works sometimes is just the coolest thing to listen and so i even love hearing from introverts that um because you get to hear more instead of their story you get to hear more about how their brain works it's Mm. just like a really cool feeling
1: Very true. You you made me have a memory of my mom when I was younger. We would go to the grocery store or anywhere, the doctor's office, didn't matter where it was, and she would strike up a conversation with anyone at something random to a stranger, and it was really embarrassing. But then now I do that. You know, I'll talk to anybody, (laughs) and my my kid would, would would do the same. Be like, seriously, like we're we're still standing here, and it's just so funny how you know as you get older, you you really do appreciate talking to other people. And hearing hearing those perspectives.
0: Yeah, my son gets super embarrassed. My daughter though is like me, and so she'll strike up a conversation, and then I get the embarrassment because she'll be talking about <laughs> uh, my my mom's having a really rough day. She slept like for two hours while we colored on the walls. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Tell people these things. My daughter, she actually has her own podcast called Manifesting Mia, and she, the things that she can just talk about all day long. This is so 7 year old, mind you. She is amazing, but she cracks me up. She, this is a funny story. You'll appreciate this. So she's been having a hard time at school. And so she has been, um, trying to make friends. We just moved to this town a month ago. And she says to me the other day, she goes, mom, everyone likes me now. I'm like, Oh really? What happened? What, why did they change? And she goes, well, I told them how hard my life has been lately and that I have a lot of big emotions and that I have um, a hard diet because of my acid reflux. Mind you, she can only not drink milk. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> she got this whole group of people wrapped around her little finger. Oh and goodness. then her b- birthday was a month ago. And she goes, you guys didn't even sing to me. And so she got the whole school to sing her happy birthday. Wow. That's uh, so <laughs> It is just the funniest thing that, that the kids come, come back to you with.
1: That That's hilarious. She's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, she is. We're so going to have to check definitely. out that podcast. I took a note of it. So, yeah, or, or send me the link to it. I, I need to hear that show. Thank you. I think we've gone through like a lot of messages today which has been exciting but i want to also touch on your business perspective especially as a female in business so that way other females in business can get some really good inspiration and nuggets of wisdom from you so a few more business questions for you as a female in business are there still biases or discriminations that still prevent females from getting ahead what are your thoughts on that
0: every day (laughs) Um, especially one of my businesses I had for a brief time on um, that, I kind of merged into Nodora was a marketing agency. The marketing world is full of men. Um, and I think there's a huge gender bias, um, when it comes to, especially that field. Um, and a lot of my clients are women entrepreneurs and I just seen story after story that, Um, you know, we'll either get there, there's a certain perception about us that we can never be as good as a man in business. Um, which I always say behind every successful man is a woman, (laughs) because whether that's their partner that is walking them through scenarios in life, or it's their assistant that's managing their day-to-day things and, you know, telling them about the next client they're going to be meeting with. In history, you've always found, if you research any of the presidents, the woman behind the man. So um, I see it every day. And one of the things, one of the scenarios I was recently in, which was really interesting, it came in a very quick full circle. I love those full circle moments. But I was at a podcasting event and I heard someone behind me talking about how they can never find an assistant that does something exactly like they do. And so I told them about, I, I butted in because that's who I am probably shouldn't have, but I just wanted to help. So I was like, Hey, have you, do you have an SOP that describes your brand and what you're looking for and exactly what you want them to do? He goes, no, but sweetie, I've been in the um, industry for 25 years. And I was like, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the industry. It's what you do with those 25 years. So because I have never heard of him, I was like, must not be much. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I um, I went to the next event at that at that or the next um, room because you go room to room and listen to speeches. And I sit down and everyone has their notebooks out. Everyone has pens ready. And who sets in? that guy that called me (gasps) sweetie and he is the speaker and he gave a presentation. It was supposed to be about media kits. And instead he basically gave us a basic Canva tutorial. If you're a podcaster, you know how to use Canva. Um, So no one wrote one single thing down on their papers. And that just kind of like showed me like, yes, men might be dominating the industry or they might be in something for so long. It does not mean a woman knows less or can't be just as great or even better um and so that just kind of brought me full circle in that moment I was like if I ever teach on that stage I'm going to make sure that everyone is writing notes for at least the first 15 minutes (laughs) and have you been on the stage yet yeah I did the virtual one I'm um I'm waiting to hear news if I'm going to be on their live in-person one um, soon. I should know within a few weeks, so cross your fingers for me. Y'all. Already, already <laughs> crossing. <laughs> Thank you. That's I'm wonderful. I was on that stage accidentally like the year before this, um, but because a speaker didn't show and I happened to know about topic so um i really hope that this time i can intentionally be on stage in person and because this was just a couple months ago that was in that scenario so i'm really hoping i can uh help some podcasters you know and and hopefully help them improve and get what they want
1: well i think we could all agree and you know based on like your your life as well that there are no accidents (laughs) <laughs> you, you may say accident or happy accident but there are no accidents you were meant to be where you were at that particular time and and yeah i think that by your work ethic and, and how you operate i think you will continue to thrive so we'll you know what you i
0: got that. five clients from that accidental speech <laughs> see? You're probably right.
1: Tell you. Now, women watch and listen to everything else that a woman in business does. So it's super important, right? How you how you carry yourself, how you speak and what it is that you do as far as leading by example. Um, What message would you give to women in business that are either starting or maybe they're in the midst and they're not doing so well or those that, you know, just don't feel they can do it at all? What would you tell all of those women?
0: Yeah, we hear every day the term in the hashtag women supporting women, right? When we actually put that into place, you're going to see amazing things happen. So like collaborating with other women entrepreneurs, I my business hit six figures without any ad spend, any marketing, I didn't put one dime in getting leads. And how I did so was by networking, collaborating with other women. Um, I think we all know that In business, it's men dominating, especially as you get to higher and higher businesses um, and chains. And we, if we start collaborating now and start working together now and supporting each other now, we're going to just improve the way for future women and also for ourselves. And um, one of those things is also remembering that social media is public if, you know, people are going to research you when they're working with you and they see you not supporting other women or making comments that are unnecessary and negative, they're not going to want to work with you. Um, I think that's something we we don't realize that social media is real and it can't hurt people. And so one of the things that I've I've always made sure is I do is that I'm always leaving supportive and uplifting um, comments on on social media and never being negative or putting anyone down or saying, oh, really, I hate that. I hate that comment every time I see it. Oh, really? It's like the most condescending comment I've ever seen in my life. We just want to make sure that we're being the women that we want to be. And I don't think any of us really want to be mean, hurtful or negative. This is
1: not business related. I just thought this would be interesting to ask. Uh, If you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell young Natalie?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. And you know, the first thing that I thought of is like, which Natalie? Because I always kind of divide myself into those three Natalies. I have the the poor kid, the rich kid, the foster kid. How about all of Um, them? (laughs) All of them? Okay, so if it was the poor kid. Man, I would probably say, you know, keep on going and enjoy life for every single moment. That was a moment of life that I was, I was young, so I was still, I was under seven. And so I was just, fun was my, every everything I surrounded myself with mm-hmm. until we, my mom got married and I moved to a new town. So I think I would say, even when you're going through life changes, always have fun. Um, and then for the rich kid, I would say, um, don't worry about fitting in, stand out, be you, be proud. Um, and then the final one, the foster kid, is that you are resilient and you have all the capabilities to do anything you want in the world and just go for it. If
1: you could share a message with the whole world, any message at all, what would that message be?
0: I think that my message would be, you can turn any negative into a positive positive. It's just that you're going to have to be the one that does the work and wants to make that change. Um, I think we talk a lot about the world. There's a lot of negative things in there and a lot of things that we see like in the news or on social media. But with every positive thing that we post about, we're just one step away from changing the world.
1: Can you tell everyone where they can find you online, socials, have at it?
0: yeah so the easiest thing is um my website it's natalieguzman.com you can find all my businesses and everything i do through there i also have the virtual antics podcast uh i teach other women entrepreneurs how to build their businesses and interview some really cool people on there um and then social media it's it's natalie guzman um It's Natalie Guzman, super simple. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, pretty much anywhere there's social media, I'm on it. (laughs) That's excellent. Well,
1: Natalie, it's been an amazing afternoon uh, talking with you, even though it's so hot, so hot. Still, (laughs) you, you are an amazing person and I can't wait to see all the stuff that you do in the future. So thanks again for being with us on Are You Happy? And everyone else listening out there, we will see you next week on Are You Happy? podcast. are you happy hour and are you happy hotline are brought to you by are you happy podcast be sure to follow us on social media such as instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform are you happy the series, can also be found on social media such as twitter facebook instagram and tiktok see you guys next time for another wonderful episode of are you happy the happy hour